Hello, church family. It is so good to be back again. I'm, it must have been okay last time because I got the mic back. So I'm extremely grateful to be back again um, today, and I hope that, that something will resonate with one of you, something that I say, something that the Lord speaks through me today will resonate with someone here or that's watching online, because that is honestly just um, my goal, you know, in life. And we're going to talk about our goals in life, our purpose, and why we're here today. First, before I get into that, I told you last time it's really a miracle that I'm even on this stage because it's not comfortable at all. And there's a lot of reasons, my human fears, of why I don't want to be on this stage. But, and we talked about that a little bit last time, of just kind of getting out of your own way to let God work through us a little bit more and taking some of our old junk and being able to use it for his glory. When I tell you there's another side to this, me being on this stage, miracle, and that's about a year ago, last March, right before the... Um, shut down, I had the opportunity to go to Austin, and it was a business retreat. And honestly, I've been on lots of, like, to medical conferences and things like that, and it's all about the business. It's all about, you know, you're just learning stuff. It's just seminar after seminar and talk after talk, and, and you come away with hopefully a little bit smarter than when you went. And that's what I thought this was. I thought I was going to learn more about the business side of things. And I thought that, man, I was excited about it. I was going to learn all of these new things. And when I got there, that's not what it was at all. The whole retreat was about finding purpose. It was about how you talk to other people, about how we can affect people with the things that we say and the love that we give. And being positive and being grateful, it was just jam-packed with every speaker and every, the whole atmosphere was that. It was absolutely amazing. I had never been to a women's conference. I've never been to a Bible conference before. And so th this experience was amazing for me and it changed a lot of things. Every morning I'd wake up really early and about by six o'clock I was usually out and, and where we stayed was this big house outside of Austin and it was on a long dirt road. And so I would go out early in the morning and I would walk. And by day two, I started on my little walk, and I was listening to music, and it was the song Waymaker. Waymaker, miracle worker. I'm not going to sing it. You guys are doing it in your heads right now. You know the words. And the song had kind of just come out, and so I was listening to it, and I was doing my Babel talk. We're going to talk more. I mentioned Babel talk last time. We're going to talk more about it. But I was doing my Babel talk with God, and it's more or less like, okay, you know, I'm feeling good. This is where I'm supposed to be. I'm learning a lot of things. I know you're here. I know you're working through me. And this time, as I'm doing all this Babel talk, sometimes he talks back. If you've ever had this experience, be extremely grateful for it, because I don't know that everyone has this experience. I don't know that we get it more than once. It's happened three times to me in the last, I don't know, six or seven years. And every single time, it is just at the right time with just the right message, and it's not always comfortable, but it's always peaceful. And so here I was walking, doing my Babel talk, and, and he spoke back, and it was, it's more of just a feeling more than anything, I think, but you, it's unmistakably God. And a peace came over me, and I just froze in my spot. Every thought cleared from my head. 
because I was asking, what is next? Where are we going? What's happening? Like, I think we can do something big here. And he decided to talk back with, it's so big. And it was more of not what it was. It wasn't speaking on a stage. It wasn't writing. It wasn't, it wasn't what it was. It was the feeling of, I have something big for you. I have a plan for you. And it was so big. It was so heavy. It was so much. On the dirt road, hit my knees, bawling like a little baby. 6 a.m. I just felt overwhelmed with what that might be, what that might look like. And I immediately, I don't want this. I can't handle this. This isn't for me. You have the wrong person. It was all the things. It's too much. Take it back. Take it back. So my humanity was then starting to babble talk all of those things. I, I'm not ready. This isn't for me. I think you've, like, this is so much. I'm just, I just want to, you know, be a house mom and, and help people be healthy. And I just, this is too much. Here's the thing. We all have, this wasn't just a message for me. We all have this exact same purpose. We all have this exact same big thing, big plan that he has for us. We just have to be able to see it and be ready. On the way home from that retreat, I was listening to that Waymaker song again in my little uh, AirPods. And as I listened to it, there was just, I started having some thoughts in my head and things I just wanted to write down and remember. And so I got my phone out, and I started taking notes, right, in the notes section of your phone. If you don't know where the notes section is on your phone, you should find it, and you should write things down. So I started just jotting down what I was thinking and thoughts that were coming in my head. And it just kind of, as that song played and another one started, I just kind of stayed in the groove of of writing all of these thoughts down. And the... You know, we landed, and I had to put my phone away in my pocket and get my luggage down and and walk through the terminal. And I remember just thinking, just don't forget. Just don't forget that last little thing. Just don't forget. And I got outside, and I was waiting for Barry to pick me up. And I had my phone out again, and I was just taking the notes. I just didn't want to forget. But I didn't want to forget, but I also didn't want that moment to end. I didn't want it the flow, that zone that I was in. I didn't want it to stop either. So I remember getting in the car and probably the first 10 minutes of that drive home, I don't know that I spoke to him all that much. I think he probably was thinking, well, I haven't seen you in five days. Thanks for being on your phone. But I just didn't want to get out of the zone. I finished the note, and then I closed down my phone and really didn't think about it again. I talked to someone about it and said, you know, the whole incident in, in Austin. And she said, just one day at a time. That's it. That's all it is. One day at a time. I had totally forgotten about that note until about July. And I opened it back up. And it was a culmination of December 5th and today. You see, God had already given me what I didn't know I was going to do. I had no idea that I would be on this stage. In fact, every part of me said, this isn't it. I don't know what it is, but this isn't it. And so... The one thing I will tell you, though, is because of that, because he told me there was a big purpose, a big plan for my life, I started intentionally living every day 
just thinking, if I can learn something in this event, if I can learn something from that person, if I can do something different because of this situation, what can I learn today? And if every day I take just one little step of learning something new, of being grateful for where I'm at and what I'm learning and what the purpose is and have my heart open to what he has next for me, then eventually when I get to whatever it is, then I'll be ready. He'll have made me ready. Like I said, this isn't just for me. This message was not just for me. He gives this message to every single one of us. You have a big purpose for your life. He wants you to do great things. He has this huge plan. He's given you all the gifts, all the tools. You just have to stay focused on him. And it's just one baby step at a time, and he'll get you there. People, I think, search the world looking for their purpose, right? They go on big hikes, they hike mountains, they take time off of school or college, and that seems to be those young 20 years is when they want to find the meaning of life. And you can search for it all you want, but it's right here. He's made it so simple for us, yet we complicate it so much, and it doesn't need to be complicated. Lord, I am here today, an empty vessel, and I just ask that you will speak through me, that the words that I say will touch and affect a life, whether here in person or online, maybe today and maybe a week from now, maybe a year from now. But Lord, if, if one life is affected, then your will has been done. I ask that you open the eyes and the hearts and the ears of everyone listening, that they will be receptive to any change that you have for them. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. We're going to start by the purpose. Now, it's, he has his purpose all over the Bible. So I just kind of chose three that really I felt like summed it up. You, there's tons of verses that all kind of say the same thing, but these are the three that we're going to focus on. Okay, starting in Mark 16, 15 through 16. Then he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Thing number one, this is, by the way, called the Great Commission in your Bible. It's also in Matthew, but it's the Great Commission. So he pretty much just lays it out for you. This is your job, right? All we have to do is do it. And when we say it like that, it seems so simple. All we have to do is tell people about Jesus. It is not our job to change their heart. It is not our job to save their spirit. It is not our job to judge them. It is our job to tell them. That's our job. Job number two, John 13, 34. I give you a new command. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, also you are also to love one another. Kind of repetitive. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, love one another. So it seems important when he repeats it in the same small verse. This is actually repeated all throughout the Bible. He wants us to love one another, not change one another, not judge one another, love one another. 
Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. So as we tell people about Jesus, as we show the love of Jesus, he's going to protect us. He knows the plans that he has for us. He has already told us he will protect us. He doesn't want our life to be a disaster. He wants our life to be used for his glory. So we tell, we love, and we know that we're protected. So even if it seems scary to go tell someone about Jesus or to love on that person that you really don't want to love on, you're protected. You have that you have the knowledge given many, many times in the Bible that you are protected. Now, does that mean that you're going to be protected from every evil thing on this earth? No. Bad things happen. We are in a sinful world. But just like I told you a few weeks ago, God is with you in every single struggle. Look for him, find him, grab him, and hang on. Now, I need you to kind of get a little comfortable because we're going to talk about five ways that you can live your purpose and five ways that Satan fights against our purpose. This is the last time that I know of that I'm going to be on this stage. They strapped a mic to me. I am going to stay here until this is done. I'm going to tell you I've practiced it many times. It's roughly an hour and a half. Barry says I should shorten it, so maybe I'm going to talk faster. I don't know. So we're here for a while. That's what I'm telling you. We are here for a little while. It probably won't be an hour and a half. They can shut my mic off, I think, but if it goes too long. Living our purpose with joy. If we live with joy in a world that doesn't have a lot of joy in it, because there's a lot of bad things in this world. There is a lot of hatred. Our life individually has ups and downs. It's like a roller coaster ride some days. Sometimes there doesn't seem to be a lot to be joyful for. Sometimes when you turn on the news, there's not a lot in the news to be joyful for or joyful about. And there is depression. Depression is real. And it is lonely and it is dark. And if that is you, then grab on to somebody. Because in that deep depression of darkness, you probably can't find God. You might not see him. He's there. Know that he's there. But if you are in such a dark place, you might not see him. So grab on to someone. Talk to someone if that is you. I do believe that God can reach us in our deepest depression. He will put people in our lives and he will bring us out of it. But he wants us to be joyful. He wants us to have hope. And he has promised us a lot of joy. Psalms 118.24 this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Acts 2.28, you will fill me with gladness in your presence. Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Proverbs 17.22, being cheerful keeps you happy. John 15.11, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may become full. So find gratitude Find the joy in even the smallest of things. That flat tire that stopped you on the side of the road, find joy. The rainstorm that you're stuck in, find something to be grateful for. It's there. You just have to look. You have to find it. Number two, living our purpose with our gifts. 
We talked about this a little bit last time. God gives you lots of gifts. Sometimes we see them right away, and sometimes they're really obvious. To Madison and this worship team, it's pretty obvious their gift. But if I were to sing a few notes, it wouldn't take you but a minute to feel like, that's maybe not your gift. Maybe stay in your lane, sister. So sometimes the gifts are right in front of us, and sometimes not so much. But we have to be ready when he shows us. See, sometimes we're just not ready for that gift. I can tell you over the years, if I had been on this stage five years ago, I wouldn't be in, I wasn't in the same place. I didn't have the, this relationship with Jesus Christ that I have now. I wouldn't have had the just whatever, like, right? I don't care what y'all think. If you have a problem with the message, take it with him, right? So I, I wouldn't have had that in me, that fire, that passion, five years ago. So sometimes maybe our gift isn't revealed to us right away because we're not ready, but we have to be open to it. If you don't know your gift and you're struggling with finding it, then get into service. That's the easiest way for me to, t to tell you to find your gift. We have a kids program. It's maybe not looking the same way that it looked a year ago. But if, if you need to find something, if you want to be challenged a little bit, if you want to give a blessing, go volunteer for the kids. Now, you might, a few months may go by, and you may think, hmm, those teenagers are not for me. I don't know that I can really deal with all this chatter of the little ones or the talking back of an older one, and then there's that cell phone that they won't put away. So I'm going to tell you, if, if that's not your thing and you don't find a gift there, go to the nursery. They don't talk. They just love on you. They let you love on them. And you feel blessed because you've been there. And these little kids from the nursery, they'll come back to you a year later and hug your neck because they still remember that you gave them love. There's also, uh, tonight actually, date night, babe. I just found out it's tonight. They are, we're serving food in the homeless shelter. So nothing like spending date night in the homeless shelter. I mean, Matt told me that it's actually tonight. I said, I, I don't think I have plans. So yeah, I think I can be there. If you can't find a gift, volunteer. If you don't know your gift, volunteer. Because I'm telling you, when you go to the homeless shelter, when you feed people, you go there to give a blessing and you receive 10 times the blessing in return. That place is absolutely amazing. Olga, a few years ago, had a thought, had a vision, had a little passion that she wanted to feed people in the park on Friday mornings in Greensboro. And she didn't really know what that looked like or how that was going to happen or what to do with it. And I can almost guarantee you she did not know that two or three years down the road she'd still be doing it. But every Friday, they still serve breakfast in the Greensboro Park to a bunch of homeless people that need food. If you want to receive a blessing, get into service. If you want to find your gift, get into service. There's going to be a lot of things to stop you along your way. A lot of excuses and things in our life that will stop you from actually living your gift, living with your gift. See, now I'm going to get really real with you. There's probably a lot of you in here that have known me most of my adult life and probably don't know these things I'm getting ready to tell you. When I was 18 years old, I had uh, ulcerative colitis. I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. And it's just an inflammatory bowel disease. I'll not get into all of it. 
However, there, there is a lot of reasons I shouldn't be standing on this stage for an hour and a half or 30 minutes. About a year ago, God put something in my life to change my diet and to change every, the way I looked at food and what I ate, what I put in. And that drastically changed the way that I eat and the way that it affects my body. And that's one of the main reasons I can be on this stage with a lot of confidence that it's going to be okay. When Blake was little, he was crawling around. He wasn't even walking yet. And I noticed I was getting really dizzy watching him walk, watching him crawl. And I had about a week's worth of vertigo. And at the time, it was just vertigo. I, you know, right? It's going to go away eventually. I did go see a doctor, and they gave me some medications, and, and I thought it was going to go away and be fine. What I didn't realize is the reason I had the vertigo is because I had lost hearing in one ear. So I've lived most of Blake's, all of Blake's life, all of Avery's life, with not being able to hear in one ear because it never came back. Adult hearing loss. At the time that that diagnosis was made, I was in PA school, and I was in cardiology, and I thought my life had ended right there. How am I ever going to hear a heart murmur when I can't hear out of one ear? Well, they make stethoscopes that are special. It's no big deal. But here's what it left me with. I can't tell direction. If you are talking to me, great, you're in front of me. If you're talking behind me, I don't know where you are. You could be to my left. You could be to my right. My kids think this is hilarious because I'll talk to them and have a full-on conversation thinking they're upstairs. This literally just happened the other day. Talking to Avery. Her door is open. I'm yelling back and forth. We're talking about I don't know what. I hear her laughing, and I see motion. I turn, and she's been behind me the whole time. I've had this whole conversation with her behind me, and I'm thinking she's upstairs. The other thing that this leaves me with, though, and more importantly, is when I turn, I don't have great balance. So if I turn really quick, I might fall. So if I fall, you know, these heels might not have been the best choice of shoe wear for today. But if I fall, just start laughing. It's fine. I'll get back up. See, there's lots of reasons that I can make that I should never even step foot on this stage. Lastly, about in 2011... I was, I had a cough that started for, I don't know, no reason. They never found a reason. I've had lots of tests, lots of medications, lots of, do lots of doctors. But it, what it left me with was a bad coughing spell about every day at 10 a.m. Thank God your service is at 11.30. We've already passed it, see? So for about 30 minutes to an hour, I cough like crazy. Over the years, this has left me with my voice being a little bit raspy. In fact, if we watch old home movies and the kids will say, who is that talking in the background? Who is that? It's me. They don't even recognize my voice of how much it's changed over the years. The other thing is, the more I talk, the more raspy it gets. So the longer I go, the more raspy it's going to get. Maybe it'll just completely go out. There's lots of reasons of why I could have given to not ever get on this stage. But I would have missed out. I would have missed out on sharing these things with you, sharing the gospel, sharing the words that God gave me with you, and hopefully affecting someone's life in the words that I say. 1 Peter 4.10, 
Just as each one has received a gift, use it to service others. Psalms 139.14, I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wonderfully made. Isaiah 43.7, everyone who bears my name and he is created for my glory. Romans 12.6 and 7, according to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion of the one's faith. If service, then service. If teaching, then teach. Living our purpose with our gifts. Number three, living our purpose through prayer. I think this is probably the most precious gift that he has given us. And I think it's probably the most precious gift that we give him back in return. It's our communication. It's the relationship. It's the basis of the relationship. Without it, he would just be out there somewhere, and we would never fully know him. You know, when I think about um, prayer, there's different ways to pray. And I think sometimes we get stuck thinking that we have to be on our knees, or we need to be in a quiet space, and we need to have our hands folded and our eyes closed. And most certainly you can. That is a great way to pray. Have intentional prayer time. But saying thank you as you open your eyes at the very beginning of your day, just lying in bed. As you take a shower and get ready in the morning, you can pray. As you're making or eating breakfast, you can pray. As you're driving to work with your eyes wide open, you can pray. Like I've told you many times, I babble talk, and that is my prayer a lot. And I'm going to tell you that, so I'll explain. Babble talk. You know, you all do. I really feel like everyone does it. I asked Barry this morning, like, don't you do this? And I didn't get a firm answer, so maybe I'm crazy. I don't know. But you kind of run through your day. I have to do this and that and, you know, all the plans. You think about what you have to do, what you're going to do, who you need to call, who you need to talk to. It's just babble talk, right? You're just... It's to yourself most of the time. Well, I started thinking, I wonder if I can babble talk like that and include him in it. So, you know, we got to do this today. We get to do this, we're going to do this, and then, you know, don't let me forget. So instead of me just babble talking to myself, I babble talk to God. I don't know. It's deepened my relationship because I'm in constant communication. I'll tell you where it comes in handy is when that guide cuts me off in the middle of the road, and instead of me saying, ah, you know, because he's waving at me his special wave, and instead of me getting angry back at him, if I turn to God and I say, did you see that? Did you see that? It's harder for me to let God have it in that situation than it is for me to let that man have it that cut me off. So if we turn all of our talk and all of our focus to God, then it changes, it deepens, it gives you that relationship like he's right there all the time. It's like your best friend with you at all times. I think God wants to hear from us. He already knows what your day entailed. He knows how you handled it. He knows what's tomorrow. He knows what was yesterday. He already knows, but he wants to hear it from us. He wants that communication. Now, when, I'm, when I was thinking about that, I, I do think that he wants to hear it, but how can we kind of relate to that? 
And all I can tell you is when my kids were little, even if I already knew what their day looked like, because maybe I got a phone call from a teacher or another parent who was there, but they come home and they're all excited and they tell me about their day. I already know a little bit about their day, but I want to hear it from them. It's exciting to hear it in their voice. It's exciting to see them light up. It's exciting to hear their perspective and their thoughts on it. Even as teenagers and even now, if Blake calls me and tells me a story about something that happened, I have a choice. And what I used to do is, oh, yeah, Dad already told me that. And I would just kind of, but now... I want to hear it from Blake. I want to hear his perspective. I want to hear his drama that he puts in it. And then when Barry calls me to tell me the same exact story, instead of saying, oh, Blake's already told me that, I just listen. Because I want to hear it from Barry. I want his perspective. I want his, because he brings a whole other element to that same story. And it makes my heart happy to hear that to have that little communication, to hear them tell me something that was important to their day. And I think God wants that from us too. He wants that relationship. He wants it deeper, and he wants that connection. He wants to hear about every part of our life, the good and the bad, even though he already knows it. He wants to hear it from us. The other thing about prayer is it can bring things that we think are dead and gone back to life that marriage that was struggling and you thought fell apart. It doesn't look the same as what it was and you don't know how to fix it. You don't know that it can be fixed and maybe you're completely divorced. Something like that through prayer, God can bring it back to life. And we've seen that. We've heard stories about that a lot. Relationships that he brings back to life. He can bring um, a lost kid that you've prayed for and prayed for that they've made different decisions than you would have liked for their life. But he can bring that back. He can bring those, those kids back to him through our prayers. Those dreams that you thought that you lost somewhere along the way because your career or your family took over your life, those dreams aren't dead. They're just set aside, and he can bring them back to life. If you struggle to pray... My suggestion is you start with gratitude and praise. Because, man, when you start praising God for all of the good things that he's done in your life, even the little tiny things, then it, it leads to gratitude, prayer, and it rolls into more. It rolls into that communication. It opens up that floodgate. And I'm telling you, before you know it, you're just going to be pouring it all out. So if you struggle... Start there with praise and gratitude. The other thing is that the answer to prayer isn't always the way that we think it's going to be. You know, we pray and we pray for something. For a you know, sick family member, you pray for healing. And maybe on this earth they will get healing. And maybe the ultimate healing is when they go to heaven. But we get stuck there that God didn't answer our prayer. But what I encourage you to do is that be open to the answer because the answer doesn't always look the same. It's not packaged the way that we want it to be packaged. Now, there's a little story. I'm sure you've all heard it, but I have the mic, so I get to tell it. There is a man who wrecked his boat. 
boat crash. He's in the water, in the ocean, hanging on for life to some of the timber that's there. And he's praying, God, save me. And to him, he's thinking, God's going to come down and just save him. Maybe wash him up on shore. I don't know what he's thinking. But a little canoe comes by with a kid and says, Mr., do you want in my boat? And the man says, no. God's going to save me. I've been praying and praying, and God's going to save me. Pretty soon, a rowboat comes by with two fishermen. Guy, get in the boat. No. God's going to save me. I've been praying. He's told me. I believe him. He's going to save me. Then a yacht comes by. Dude, get in the boat. No, God's going to save me. Well, you know what happens? The guy dies. He goes to heaven. He says, God, I prayed. You told me. I believed. I had faith that you were going to save me. And what does God say? I sent three boats. He sometimes answers our prayer in a way that we're not expecting it, and so we don't consider it the answer to prayer. Be open to how he might answer your prayer. Pray with intention. This is something that's new for me, I'll be honest. If I pray for healing for someone that has sick, that's sick, then that might come on this earth. It might not come on this earth. It might come that they have complete healing in heaven. It also may be one year. It might be 10 years. And so if I pray for healing, I, I, it's so far away. I don't know where it's at. I don't know if I'm going to see it here on this earth. And so I start to believe that God's not answering my prayer. But if I pray with intention and I say, I need I want to pray for that person to rest well tonight. Just give them a peaceful night's rest. Well, then when he answers that prayer, I see the prayer has been answered. It strengthens my faith and my belief and the fact that he wants to answer my prayer. And I actually get to see it pretty quickly sometimes. So pray with intention. Pray for the very small thing so that when he answers that prayer, you recognize it. So when he answers that prayer, it furthers your belief that prayer does work and that he is working in your favor. John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, whatever you wish, it will be done for you. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Pray without ceasing. Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For if we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Jeremiah 33, 3. Call to me, and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Matthew 26, 41. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Ephesians 6.18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins and heal their land. Jeremiah 29.12, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. God wants 
to hear your prayers. He wants to hear your babble talk. He wants to hear about all the aspects of your day because it's what strengthens your relationship. Number four, living our purpose when we can't see the goal. Isn't it hard when you, it's, I guess it's easy to lose focus when we can't see God right in front of us. We can't see heaven and we can't really with our human minds even imagine what heaven's really going to be like. So it's hard to stay focused on the goal when you can't really see it. In this world, it is full of despair and heartache and things that will take your attention away from the goal of God. Remember the goal. Tell people about Jesus. Share the love of Jesus and know that you're protected. That's the goal. All you have to do is look at the goal. Stay focused on the goal. Stay focused on telling people about Jesus whatever that looks like, in whatever situation that is. That's what we do. We share the love of Jesus. In turn, it is our hope and our prayer that they then will become saved, and then they share the love of Jesus, and they tell about Jesus. It's a ripple effect. Sometimes it's when we get sidetracked, it's just hard to get our focus back. But you are more than what this world has to offer. See, God has an amazing plan for you. He has an amazing place that he's getting ready for us. So in the darkness of this world, you stay in his light. Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by the grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of your works, so that no man may boast. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Even when you don't see the goal, stay focused on God, because that's ultimately where he wants you to be. Living our purpose in the season that you're in right now. And this one can be hard. 2020 has been crazy. It has been a lot of unknowns, a lot of changing, a lot of numbers being thrown at us, right? It's hard to know exactly what's coming next and what we're supposed to do. People have lost their jobs. They're working from home. Kids are doing school in a totally different way. There's a lot of financial hardship. There's a lot of health issues. What about the season that you're in that you were in a year ago? That season that you're probably maybe still in today, that coworker that you just cannot stand. That boss that doesn't quite tell all the truth or maybe he takes credit for some of your work. That relationship that's on the rocks, whether it's with a friend or with a spouse, seems to be kind of falling apart. What about the neighbor that either doesn't mow his yard or he thinks that you need to mow yours more? That neighbor that sometimes we just can't get along with. And here's the really hard one. That fellow Christian might be the person sitting next to you, right? It's hard 
to find a purpose or to find love for someone when you don't really like them, when there's friction in that relationship? What if we could find the purpose and the love of Jesus right here in the season that you're at? Whatever space, whatever situation that is, whatever it looks like in your life right now, learn from the struggle that you're in and start asking God, this person is in my life for a reason. I don't really like her. I don't really get along with her. We don't see eye to eye on a lot of things. What am I supposed to learn? This isn't about her, right? This isn't even really about us. It's about God. So how am I going to be more effective in my purpose if there's all this friction, if I can't learn from this season that I'm in, if I get stuck right here in this season, in this spot, in this job that I hate, and whatever it is, if you get stuck there, then you can't continue to grow. You'll never take that next step of growth and get closer to God because you're stuck. You'll never be able to fulfill your full purpose because those people that are in your life that kind of rub you wrong, they're probably ones that need to hear about the love of Jesus. They need to be shown the love of Jesus. And for us, sometimes that's hard, but if you're fully focused on the goal, if you're focused on God and that being your purpose, then it becomes a little easier. You can kind of say, okay, well, well, Karen, I don't know what you have in store for me today, but I'm gonna love you with the love of Jesus anyway, right? I think everyone has a, if your name is Karen, I apologize. Karens get bag of raps these days. But learn something in the struggle. Decide to do something with it. Know that you're protected in it, and he's right there beside you. Luke 1.37, for nothing will be impossible with God. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. 1 John 5, 4. For everyone who has been born of God and overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So that's five ways to live your purpose. There's lots of ways. These are just five that I think are probably most relevant and that we can use on everyday basis. But when you start living towards your purpose, watch out. Because Satan's going to come after you, and he's going to come hard. You see, when Celeste finally asked me to get on this stage in October, I didn't have fear at that point. God had already taken all that. He had already given the message I didn't even know I had. All of that was gone. But my fear was, I don't know if I am quite ready for the attack from Satan that I'm about to receive. Because when you start working towards the goal, towards your purpose, loving people, telling them about Jesus, knowing that you're protected. When you start living your life that way, the attacks will come from every direction, and they come in ways that you don't even see coming. And so I urge you to not give Satan a foothold in your life. And a lot of times that comes from getting really being mindful of what you watch on TV, on Netflix, where you spend your time, the music that you listen to, the people that you spend your time with, our events and our schedules. Sometimes our schedules have us so busy, even if they are 
in the church. You can make yourself so busy, so tied up with the workings of the church that you don't stay focused on him, that you lose sight of your purpose and telling people about Jesus and loving them with the way that Jesus loves. We can get caught up with, with work and with drama and with gossip, and those are little ways that I think every day you hear you have to deal with. There's something. So when you get fully focused on your purpose, be aware that Satan is there, and he's going to do everything he can to defeat you. So here are five ways that Satan, there's a lot, Obviously, there's a lot. These are the five that I think are pretty relevant in today. Number one, fear and doubt. I'm not enough. I can't do it. I'm going to fail. What will people think? Fear is the thing that holds us back. These are the things that we hear from this world. These are the things that Satan tells us that maybe a family member told you, that a coworker told you, that somebody in your life has told you one of these lies, that you're just not enough. It can paralyze us right there where we're at. But if we can get around that, if we cannot be fearful, if we can believe that God wants us to fulfill our purpose, and he has protected us, then we can do anything with wherever we're at, with whatever we've dealt with in life. See, Peter, he was hot-headed. Samson had relationship issues. David had lust and then murdered. Jonah was stubborn. Esther was afraid. Gideon had disbelieved. Thomas doubted. Moses had a speech impediment. But instead of getting stuck in fear that they couldn't do it, they did something big anyway. God wants to take you right where you're at in all of the fear that you have, and he wants to do something with you anyway. So don't stop. Don't get paralyzed. Do it afraid. Do it afraid. It wasn't that every bit of my fear was gone before I stepped on this stage. I get extremely nervous before I walk up here. But I do it anyway. Because if I don't, I'm afraid that if I don't, where will I be? That see, God has set this purpose in front of me, and he has told me, I've given you everything you need. Now all you have to do is do it. So you do it afraid. You just do it anyway. See, this isn't about us. When we have fear, it's about us. We make it about us. But it's this life isn't about us. If we keep our eye on the purpose and the goal, then it's all about him. It doesn't matter what fear this, this world brings on you. It doesn't matter what people have told you in the past. It's your focus on God. We were created in the image of God, and with him anything is possible. Psalms 121.2 my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Isaiah 41.10, so do not fear, for I am with you. Psalms 56.3, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of sound mind. Psalms 23.4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
We don't need to fear because he's got us. The other way that Satan gets a hold of us is our past. He has a tendency to remind you of where you've been, the things that you've done, the places you've gone, the things that have been done to you, and he wants to hold you right there, and he has a, a way of reminding us, remember, remember what you did. You're not good enough. You won't be able to do, you, can, you can't live to your full purpose because, right, something in your past sneaks up. Why is it so much easier to believe the lies of our past instead of believing the truths of our Creator? The one that knows us best, the one that created us, the one that knows every thought in your head before you think it and before you say it, he knows all the good and all the bad, and he loves you anyway. He loves us regardless. He loves us unconditionally. Why is it so hard to not believe all the promises that he's put in this Bible that he has given us? Why is it hard to believe those things and so easy to believe the things of this world? All the lies that we are told. That you're not pretty enough, you're not skinny enough, you're not enough, you're not strong enough, you're not athletic enough, you're not disciplined enough, you're not rich enough, you're not popular enough, you don't have enough likes on social media. You don't have enough followers, you don't have enough fans, you don't have enough people thinking that you're great. But God says we are enough. We're created in his image, so we are enough. He created us and said, it is very good. With everything else he created, he said, it is good. When he created us, he said, it is very good. He believes in you. He knows everything that there is to know about you. And he loves you. Believe what he tells you. Believe your creator. Isaiah 43, 4. You are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. Psalms 46, 5. God is within her. She will not fail. John 15, 9, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Exodus 14, 14, the Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Deuteronomy 31, 8, it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will never leave or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Believe that you are enough. Believe that you are loved and you were created by a king. The third way that Satan comes against us and against our purpose is through our relationships. We hit on this a second ago just a little bit. Sometimes it's the friends that we choose and the people that we choose to be around. You know, they say that you become more like the five people that you spend the most time with. So assess that. If you want to be positive, if you want to find gratitude, if you want to have joy in your life, if you want to live to your full purpose, if you want to show the love of Jesus, look who you surround yourself with. If all the people around you are not living in that manner that you want to live, then maybe you need to make some changes. Maybe it's encouragement to them, but maybe you need to bring a few more people into your close circle. 
Sometimes it's our choice of the relationships that we have in our life. Sometimes it's the people that God puts in our life, right? The man that you marry, the spouse, the relationship as it goes on, as it grows, as it changes, because it does change. I'm not the same wife that I was 25 years ago. Thank goodness, right? <laughs> Thank goodness. I'm not the same mom that I was 17 years ago. Thank goodness. See, nothing is off the table for Satan. And he will get at you any way that he can. And through relationships is one of the hardest ways for us to deal with, I think. Because there's already that relationship. There's that love. There's that commitment to that person. Or there's those kids in your life that you've raised up from these little tiny babies. And you've taught them all the love of Jesus. And they get to make decisions on their own one day. And you just hope and you pray that you did everything that you possibly could so that even if they make a bad decision, because I'm telling you, we all do. We are all human. We make mistakes. But to be able to find our way back to God, that's where it's at. What if we looked at our relationships with people just a little differently? It's so bizarre to me, and I'm very guilty of this. It's something that I'm really working on. That I can have this friendship, but as soon as it gets real rocky, I don't need your friendship that much. That's, that's kind of hard. I don't want to deal with that. That seems rough. It's going to get messy. I don't want that. So it's probably better before I say something that I regret that I just walk away. I just leave the friendship right there. Instead of learning something through it, instead of working on that and showing the love of Jesus and acting with kindness and with love and offering grace, I just cut it off. I just choose to walk away. And see, we can do that with all of our relationships. We can choose to think that if they are a godly person, that they are working with a godly intent and that their intention behind it and what is in their mind and their heart is that of God. And if I can look at someone that way and say, you know, I don't really understand why she said that to me. That was kind of hurtful. But if I choose to say, I know her heart is of God, and I know that she's a godly woman, so I don't know why I took what she said, or I don't know why she said what she said, but if I can choose to give grace to that, and I can choose to say that that's not what she meant, that the way I took it isn't the way she meant it, if we can offer that kindness and that love and that grace, then sometimes these relationships wouldn't be nearly as hard as what we make them. Satan will come at you through your relationships. Proverbs 17, 27, a truly wise person uses few words. A person with understanding is even-tempered. Proverbs 12, 18, some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise will bring healing. Are you hearing this? I mean, this is in a book that was written centuries ago, but it's so applicable. It can be applied to your life right now. It is so easy. It's in the language that we can understand. Matthew 7, 3, and why worry about a speck in the eye of your brother when you have a board in your own? Proverbs 20, 19, a gossip tells secrets 
So don't hang around with someone who talks too much. Right? It's like the perfect language for us today. James 1.19, my dear brothers and sisters, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Proverbs 18.13, what a shame, what a folly to give advice before listening to all of the facts. You know, I'm reading these, these scriptures as an example after every point through this talk. I don't know if you've gotten that yet, but it's for a reason. It's to show you that there is so much in this Bible. It's an instruction guide of how to live your life. He gives, it's, it's all over, whether it's the love, whether it's kindness, whether it's your strength, whether it's that you're enough, it doesn't matter. It's all right here. Your purpose is right here. Number four, envy and people-pleasing. Keep your eyes on your own paper. Now, I, I don't know that I ever had to keep my eyes on my own paper, personally, but that's something that I heard a lot as a kid in school. Keep your eyes on your own paper. Keep your eyes on your own journey, right? Keep your focus, and your journey is your own. That of someone else's, that is their journey. It's not yours. Stay out of their lane. Our journeys don't look the same. Our gifts aren't the same. God has made us special and unique. Our purpose is all the same, and that's to love Jesus, and that's to tell people about him, and that's to know that we're protected. Instead of being jealous, instead of, I don't know why she got that, I deserved it, be happy, celebrate with them. I was reading a book um, that, I, that's, that I just got the other day. It's called Selfless. And she was talking and telling a story about how when her son wasn't crawling at 10 months and she took him to the park and this other little boy, he was up and walking and she felt that in herself. Of, He's got to walk. What is wrong with my kid that he needs to walk? So she continued every day to stand him up, to walk him, to try to get him to walk. And he was a year old and some months before he ever actually took his first step. Sometimes we get sidetracked looking at other people's journeys. And we start having feelings about that. And it's hard to stay focused on our own and to be happy and grateful and joyful in our own journey because we're looking elsewhere. The other thing about people-pleasing is if I try to spread my love of Jesus on everyone, but it's really not the love of Jesus, it's just my love, and I'm giving words of encouragement and kindness to everyone, then pretty soon my cup is empty. What will tend to happen is if I do that, then I start reaching out my cup, fill me back up. I need you to help me fill. And if I look to people to fill my cup, I'll never be full because they're looking right back at me, wanting me to fill their cup too. I'll never live life full and happy with the love of Jesus if I continue to live my life that way. But if I can hold my cup up and let him just fill me, and it's of his love, then it overflows. And that overflow spreads to everyone else around me. And it's God's love, not my own. And I don't ever feel empty. I feel always full with the love of God. 1 Corinthians 3.3 3. 
for you are still of flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving in a human way? Romans 12, 21, do not overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. James 3, 16, for where there is jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Proverbs 14, 30, a tranquil heart gives to life, gives life to flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. Number five, the fear of the unknown. I think out of all of the things, this can freeze us right where we're at more than anything else. We're too scared to do anything else for God. But I'm telling you, God is not small. Don't make him small. We serve a big king and he has a big plan for every one of you. And this may be the last time I'm ever on a stage and that's okay. He'll have something else for me next and I am ready for it, whatever that is. He's got something for you. He's got a big plan ahead of you, but you have to look for it. Grab on and hang on because he can take you to big, amazing places. We just have to live our life one step at a time. If he showed us the whole plan, it would scare us to death. We would never take the first step. You know, we left Peter last time as the sailor, the fisherman, became the student, and then he was broken and he was weeping and we left him right there last time. That's not the end of his story. His story was so much bigger than that. But if God had said, hey, fisherman, come and follow me because I'm going to have you make churches and they're going to put you in prison and ultimately you're going to be crucified on a cross upside down. Peter would have never followed. He would have never taken that first step. So he doesn't show us the whole plan. He doesn't show us the whole mountain because that mountain is too steep. It's too slippery. It's too cold up there. It's too hard, it's too much effort, and I just don't wanna do it. But if we take just one step every day, and we step closer to closer to God every day, and we stay in His purpose, and we continue to live our purpose, before you know it, you're gonna be on top of that mountain, and when you look out, enjoy the view. Enjoy the view. We have nothing to be afraid of the unknown, that tomorrow, there's always another tomorrow. So learn something today. I challenge you today to get really clear on your purpose. Know that every purpose is very simple. He's given it to you right here. It's to tell people about Jesus, show the love of Jesus without judgment, without criticism, without gossip, without negativity. Know that you're protected as you go through your life. He's with you every step of the way. So get excited about tomorrow and know that he's already there waiting for you. Just one step at a time. Dear Lord, I am just filled with gratitude. 
that one, you have spoken to me. Two, that you have used my life. That you have changed me from someone who I was before to someone that I am today. And that you are going to continue to change me every day. If one life, if one person takes one step closer to you, then your will today is done. That is why we are here. I don't know what is next in my life. I don't know what's next for everyone here, but you know, and I will have faith that you will always be with me in it. That as long as you are there, I am okay. As long as I have your love and I am able to spread that love, that I am okay. And that there's nothing to be afraid of. In your name we pray, amen.